everyone, and welcome to Volume 4, Issue 172 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 4. Next up, we have Rare's Cameo Elements of Power. Following that, Max Payne 3. Then our penultimate Silent Hill series podcast with Shattered Memories. After that, we conclude our Wolfenstein series with The New Order. And then after that, it's a much-requested cult classic, God Hand. Head to canerince.com for the full schedule. Well, full up until issue 180 at this point anyway. Uh, pending. Pending. Uh, the blog, of course, is there and links to our merchandise store where you can buy a lovely Canerince branded T-shirt. We also have a Facebook page and a YouTube channel with videos and other tidbits on it. We also have another podcast these days. Uh, please do seek it out on iTunes, search for Cane and Rinse and it'll, it'll pop up there uh, as Sound of Play. And it's uh, a fortnightly hour or so of video game music. Please review, rate and most importantly subscribe to both of those podcasts on iTunes. And we will love you forever. Thank you. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, it's Tony Atkins. Ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, he's already busted yes. out the ice cream. That leaves us nowhere to go. And it leaves nothing for Darren Gargett. I've got nothing. Just go, Ugh. All I can think of is ice cream now. So, it's a two-game issue. I think we can do this because, although, you know, they're separate entities, um, one is most definitely a sequel to the other. Um, they were by the same core team, um, and, <clears throat> uh, and they cover uh, similar ground. So... Memories of the original Speedball. Well, I have memories because I'm very old. Uh, this was one of the games. This came out in 1988. So this is, uh, yeah, 27 years old. Uh, over a quarter of a century ago. I remember seeing screenshots of Atari ST and Amiga Speedball in computer games magazines when I still had an Atari 8-bit computer which was a lovely machine, but uh, sadly under-supported, in, particularly in the UK. Um, very, very slow cassette loading times. And uh, it, it, rather like um, a number of other machines throughout history, it had an enormous amount of potential power, but a lot of programmers never worked out how to use it. So you could see also, say, the Saturn for, for that sort of thing. Um, so I was looking, I was starting to get really, really lustful of these uh, these 16-bit screenshots. Um, they started to emerge in the mid-80s when um, the Amiga got a port of Marble Madness, which was still a pretty new coin-op at that point. And the Amiga version looked almost as good as the arcade machine. I remember seeing International Karate on the Atari ST, which apparently didn't play all that well, but um, but it, it just looked absolutely stunning. So pretty much for three, four, five years, I was yearning for these 16-bit powerhouses that cost you know, upwards of a thousand pounds, but the prices started to drop. And by uh, the middle of 1990, uh, Commodore were doing this amazing uh, Flights of Fantasy pack, which was a Commodore Amiga 500. And in the box, you got uh, Rainbow Islands and F-29 Retaliator and Escape from the Planet of the Robot Monsters. And you also got, if you bought it from Silica Shop, as people did back then, you got a massive old pack of extra uh, games that had come out over the last couple of years. And uh, I did that. I, I clubbed together with, it was like some present money for my mum, from my mum, uh, like an 18th birthday present, and I got my Amiga. And Speedball was one of the games that I managed to hoover up, things that had been released over the previous couple of years. So I remember picking it up for like... Um, 
I guess, uh, yeah, like six or seven pounds or something like that. Um, yeah, when I finally managed to get my uh, Amiga, and um, it was those, it was those uh, Mark Coleman graphics that everything looked so deliciously shiny and metallic. It was mm. uh, amazing scenes. Yes, yeah, so I finally had my Amiga, picked up a lot of games that had come out. While I didn't have an Amiga, things like Kickoff and, and various other bits and bobs. Um, and yeah, so I, I played Speedball for a, for a few months until the sequel come out, which came out, which we'll, we'll talk about later. Um, I remember playing it uh, somewhat two-player with, with the friends who I gamed with back then. And uh, to a less extent than would become the case with the sequel, um, they didn't really like playing me because I would just beat them over and over again. And also, you never change ends in Speedball 1. So the person who was playing up the screen always uh, always seemed to have uh, a pretty hefty advantage. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was It was cool. Going back to it now, um, it's uh, it's a slightly different experience, but um, but we'll come on to that. So, uh, Tony, your uh, your next oldest in terms of age. <laughs> uh, did you have a sixteen bit computer in nineteen eighty eight? Not in eighty eight, no. Um, well, I had the Amstrad CPC four six four. It's an eight bit computer. I know, but around that time, yes. And I was I I yearned once again over something more powerful you see how nothing ever changes we all did the same thing what's the, what's the next thing and which one should we get but um <laughs> i got my amiga 500 which i would have played um both the original speedball and speedball 2 yeah. uh i think it was about 93 oh right okay so it was a little later it, it was purely because it was my brother's amiga 500 and it got as a hand-me-down he, uh, right. he decided he was going to move house and i got I got the sh- the shiny new toy, um, which I was well, never allowed sweet. to go- to go on. Um, so, but yeah, uh, which is cool. So that's a pretty amazing hand me down. <laughs> it so is. I, yeah. w- I wonder if your experience is slightly different because I had those those few precious months between the two games. Not as long as obviously there were two years or or, or more between the releases, but I had a few months of playing Speedball One, having lusted after it for a while. Um, but you would have did you did you like get all these games in a big pile and you yeah, were just kind of motoring through yeah it was the actual you know the classic here's a, a cardboard box full of you know the, the people don't realize but um, i do the, the the older people that who listen to the show but then you'd have things were just so cheap the cassettes were so cheap for the amstrad um the amiga not quite so so because it was new newer technology but you could you could get so many copies of games um in bargain bins for you know the 99p bargain bin and it used to be a, a real pastime of mine just to I, I never actually we never really had a game store of any kind we we had a cycle shop and the cycle shop was half cycle shop half game shop most ridiculous it was called cnn cycles and anybody in this mm-hmm. area would would know it because you know you that was the place to go to see that the new uh gaming tech it is the most weirdest shop and the, the cnn cycle part is still there unfortunately that the computer tech has long since gone so it's a boring <laughs> shop to go into now mm. um but yeah so i i got that i got both speedball games as a you know in the bottom of a box um, Did you have a box full of pirates as well, or were these all originals? Uh, it's it's the yeah, very much the time of this is a cassette, and this is copied from <laughs> from somebody. Um, well, discs discs on the yeah, Amiga. and on the Amiga, but I'm to, I'm almost referring to the the kind of Amstrad at the time as well, where yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff was just yeah completely pirated. And uh, I think in the Amiga, I was certainly more willing to spend my money on you know boxes which had you know nice. You know, nice cover art, etc., on them. So I've never really been very deep into the uh, the, the pirate scene in that regard. So uh, yeah, so I never brought this, but um, 
yeah, Speedball ones and and another one for me because majority of my my playtime would have been on Speedball two. Yeah, for good reasons. So did, um, did that color color your experience of Speedball one? Thinking well, you know, were you because as with every game we ever cover, um, as with every game that's been sequeled, I've you know I've been doing a lot of reading about Speedball going back. There are people out there if you go on YouTube and watch watch game you know watch people playing Speedball two or Speedball one, you will have people saying. Oh, they ruined it. Speedball 1 was the classic, you know, Speedball 2. Whereas, you know, I, I think, you know, conventional wisdom says that Speedball 2 was the classic. Speedball 1 is almost forgotten by some people. Yeah, I, and and clearly that's not fair because some people preferred its simplicity and purity. Yeah, I, I, for me, it, uh, let's say I, I had it around 93, which would probably be a, a reasonable guess. You know, I'm 13, so it, the the thing that probably looks the, the nicer version of the two yeah. would have been the one that, that drew me there. And I know for a fact, Speedball 2, you know, doing research and playing both the games uh, again for this show, like majority, I'd say 90% of my memories are focused on, on my time with Speedball 2 and, and not 1. So I, I guess the easy answer is, yeah, Speedball 1, I, I, I would imagine I played for a little bit and went, yep. Speedball 2's got this, you know, it looks better. It's got these, you know, multipliers, et cetera, et cetera, which we're going to. Yeah. And I just gravitate towards that. But, um, you know, going back and, and playing Speedball 1 now is, or then at least back to back with a, you know, a, you know a, mm. new, a new fresh paint of eyes. And, uh, yeah, oh, well, we'll get onto it. But it's, yeah, it's it has some small issues. But hey. <laughs> right, Darren, I know that um, you, say, you said you made the analogy of um, almost Street Fighter, like, <laughs> There was a Street Fighter one, you know, yeah. like Street Fighter Two became so ubiquitous that mm-hmm. people forgot about Speedball, and I and I was saying that actually it was quite a big deal when it came out because mm. mainly I think as much as anything, not so much the screenshots of the game, but the the art of the uh, the player helmets and like the the incidental animations of the fists oh, and all that yeah. sort of thing on on the on the um, sort of a track mode and stuff was those were the things that just you you hadn't seen graphics like that on the on the eight bit machines. Mm. So I think that was what really really as well as the concept i mean the the whole future sport thing was quite cool at the time but darren yourself you uh you've you've come to speedball one more recently which must be interesting yeah speedball one is yeah kind of a revelation like like you say uh, the, the, you know the existence of it came very very you know uh late after me playing speedball two and i always knew it was there but you know because speedball two was in the household it was like what's the point in playing the first one? And I think I remember seeing it at people's house and just playing it out of desperation and just like, oh, it's pleasant people. And they're like, well, I've got the original. And you're like, oh. <laughs> so, you know, I never played it for minutes at a time and went, mm. oh, let's, mm. let's go back to mine and play number two. So yeah, number one is a, is a bit of a mystery to me, but you know, I've been, um, I've been looking into it, you know, within the last week or so. And it mm. is, you know, you, you can see that it is the first one of the two and um, you know, for better or for worse. <clears throat> and I've had a little dabble with it and, yeah, um, my my grass is definitely greener in Speedball Two's field, but you know, the 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 like like you say, people will fall on either side of the fence. Yeah, so uh, I noticed earlier you posted a vine, and I immediately <laughs> spotted mm. which version you were playing because of the color palette. Um, yeah, you were, you were playing the Master System. That's conversion. right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Do, I do love that fist just clacking onto the thigh, the, the metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I just love the fact because it's all you know Master System. It's all a bit kind of like, yeah. That's it. There's a lot of you know 
like it's like say white noise and yeah there's a lot of um sort of lot, lot, lot of love for the blueness of it I, I don't know if it's because it's on a sega machine that made it more blue or was it just the color palette of the machine I'm not too sure. yeah i think it's literally massively limited color palette yeah. so the game the the bitmap brothers of course programmed this so the the founders of the bitmap brothers and their earliest uh, this was one of their earlier games along with xenon um so the three founders eric matthews mike montgomery and steve kelly um and mark coleman did the graphics as i say for this this game and that was you know something very distinctive we'd seen a lot of this sort of highly metallic stylized what was known as base relief um stuff on uh the previous uh, generation particularly on the commodore 64 with things like uh, andrew braybrook's uh, iridium 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 um and it looked like you know to to our uh, our mid 80s eyes mid to late 80s eyes this looked like a like a really super high res mm-hmm. um future sheeny um you know kind of uh just a highly appealing um future sport and it's also kind of tied in with the um you know there was there was a lot of um this sort of uh dystopian stuff i mean it it had already been over 10 years since rollerball the film Mm -hmm. which is obviously a massive influence Mm -hmm. and in the wake of rollerball the the uh the james khan uh is james khan isn't it yeah for film um there was a 2000 AD comic strip uh, involving uh, a sport called Aero Ball um, uh, with this team called the Harlem Heroes, and they it was a sort of it was um, jetpack based basketball, but with violence basically, and and I think that, I think that was probably an influence on the Bitmap Brothers as well. Uh, the game was released by Imageworks, which was a label um, of the Mirrorsoft company, mm. and the Mirrorsoft company was of course part of the Mirror Group. Um, uh, as owned by the Maxwells, um, and uh, the, the the fate of that label was sealed a couple of years later by the fate of Robert Maxwell disappearing off the side of a boat. Uh, but at this point, uh, this was before um, the bitmaps had uh, parted ways and ended up with Renegade Software. Um, so other games uh, on the ImageWorks label, they'd done quite a lot on um, uh, on the eight bits um, st- stuff like Predator Two and Blasteroids and um, Back to the Future Part Three, so some licensed stuff as well. And on the sixteen bits, um, it was they who released Xenon Two Mega Blast, which came the oh, they came that came the following year, uh, and Cadaver as well for Bitmap Brothers. So they had a they had a, a fairly um, lengthy relationship. Um, now the Bitmaps uh, back in these days always led with the Atari ST version because uh, they felt that with its uh, extra scrolling and blitter chips and things that the Amiga was the machine to port up to. So they started with a uh, yeah. a, a tougher machine in a way that sort of mirrors some we've seen more recently with some developers leading on the PS3 and then going to the 360 and uh, uh, or and now Xbox One to PS4. The tables have turned somewhat. Uh, Bitmap Brothers would start with the ST version, which um, notoriously, until they introduced uh, various hardware revisions, it was very difficult to code uh, smooth scrolling for which seems like a bit of an oversight in, in the mm. mid-80s. But um, but there it was. Um, and uh, it had uh, sort of completely different sound capabilities because um, famously the ST, uh, or at least one of, one model of the ST, had its um, MIDI port, which made it a favourite in music studios for decades to come. But the Amiga had um, a really powerful uh, sampling kind of setup, so you could you could use a lot more sampled sound easily and stuff like that. I think that's right anyway, but... Forgive me, I'm I'm not a technical person. I am but a, an enthusiast. 
Um, so we're, I think we're mainly talking about the 16-bit versions, although, as we know, Darren has uh, played the Master System version. The, uh, there were versions, uh, conversions of the original Speedball. Uh, interestingly, talking to our own Sean O'Brien yesterday, he was really, really not very aware of this <laughs> game at all. So even though it did come out on consoles um, and in America on PC-DOS, um, there was an NES version. Uh, it came three years later in 1991, but because of the name of the game, of course, worth mm. uh, mentioning that actually a speedball is a an entire a highly dangerous cocktail of drugs mm-hmm. uh, that was responsible for the deaths of many, including famously River Phoenix. Um, so, slightly controversial name to the point that in in Nintendo Land in America, it was renamed as Clash Ball with a K. <laughs> Uh, and that conversion was by apparently by a group called Sofell Corporation. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, there was also a, 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 a port which followed for the Commodore 64, which I believe was by a team called Spotlight Software. Um, and I remember that being reviewed in Zap 64, kind of along with the Amiga version. And you know, the graphics side by side didn't it didn't do the Commodore 64 any favors. <laughs> um, we were definitely at the point where things were moving on. But actually, as we'll come to later, there was a um, there was a Commodore 64 port latterly of Speedball 2 as well, um, and uh, and actually it went rather well. Uh, so the music here, um, this is when uh, Bitmaps were still working with the ubiquitous David Whittaker, um, uh, a man whose work you'll almost certainly have heard on something if your your gaming goes back a long way. He did Shadow of the Beast, uh, to name but one famous example, as well as things like Panther, uh, an old Mastertronic game on the 8-bits. Um, and it's a very different sounding soundtrack overall to the probably much more famous uh, stuff of the sequel. But again... Talking about with this game's legacy um, and people kind of maybe even, you know, almost forgetting its existence, even though Speedball 2 is Speedball 2, I think a lot of people just call Speedball 2 Speedball. Mm. Um, but this was Golden Joystick, you know, those awards, CMVG awards that are still still going to this day. This was Golden Joystick's Game of the Year 1989, you know, by votes. So that was pretty. That was a pretty big deal for a for a sixteen bit game back then as well, because there were lots of people who were still playing on on eight uh, bit mm. computers. Yeah, I still think it looks actually quite nice now. Like seeing it in motion on you know on the the very few YouTube videos out there, even though it's all contained in one screen, which probably explains you know the lack of um you know the, the, it reduces the amount of scrolling. Like you can see the field all in one screen, whereas Speedball Two sort of spreads it across both vertical and horizontal scrolling. It still looks nice. You know, there are mm. elements there. I, you know, vaguely remember, but, you know, you sort of see the parallels between that and one and two, like it's got the walls that teleport the ball from side to side and it's got the, um, the crazy sort of, I don't even know what they're called, but they're like little black circles that completely make the trajectory of the ball go off kilter. And yeah. Sort of bounce stones, I think that's they might be called. Yeah. Or something like yeah, pinball it, cushions. It, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> like but, bumpers or mushrooms. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I do. The game still looks like, you know, it looks like a speedball game and, you know, I, I really admire that aesthetic. Yeah, so the original game um, is only vertically scrolling. Um, Mm. So you can see actually a lot more of the playing area, um, which is something that varies from version to version anyway. Um, But in the original game, it just scrolls from top to bottom, north to south, uh, back up and down. And it's... It's really quite a narrow arena. The character character sprites are a lot smaller. Mm. I'm actually struggling to think how many per side 
it is in Speedball 1, but I don't think it's ever... I think it's one of those games where they they mask it by never actually letting you have more than two or three yeah, characters on the screen at four, one time. Isn't it? I think I it's... Yeah, it's four it's and two. Has, yeah, it's a lower number than two. Yeah, all right. So uh, four, four outfield players and a keeper who can't really come off his line. No. Um, the keeper's uh, the very very simple in this, whereas in the in the sequel he gets uh, he can move around his sort of hockey style area. Um, yeah, ho- ice hockey is another good um, touchstone for for the sport that is um, speedball. But apparently, the greatest influence is real tennis, which is the indoor. Um, sport that that gave birth to both tennis and squash where you bounce the ball off the walls to get different kinds of points mm. and things like that um you can still play it it's apparently i think it was popular in you know in tudor times or something this, this I, real tennis game i always saw it certainly as my younger self as a combination of american football and ice hockey the ball was thrown uh and the violence of the ice hockey of you know tripping up people is all part of the game um, you know, you can make an, an aggressive move on a another player uh, just to block them out of the way if if that's possible. And I, so I always saw it as a combination of those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, apparently, real tennis was was the biggest influence, but obviously, with violence, um, the fact that you go into other people's halves definitely brings in um, those American sports. Um, yeah, and that I mean that is the the key thing in this game is it's uh, yeah the, the roughhouse tackling is absolutely part of the oh, game completely. Um, and it's not like, uh, say, actual, you know, real world rugby where there are rules about how you can and can't, you know, bundle someone over. <laughs> you can't, you know, clothesline and body check them or whatever. There there are rules about how you tackle, even though it is a physical sport. In speedball, obviously, the animations are very simple at this point. It's just one fire button and eight directions. But the whole point about getting the ball off somebody else is uh, is basically sliding, tackling mm. into them. And that's how you win possession. So the game can kind of... In this first game where I don't think there are, well, the game does give you stats for the teams, doesn't it? So I think it, I, but I don't think it's as um, as granular as individual players have different stats in Speedball 1. Yeah, again, memory's very hazy, but yeah, there was like um, kind of a an, an upgrade mechanic in Speedball 1, but I don't think it's as in, as in depth as number it's two. Not, well, no, the, the upgrade mechanic, there are coins uh, that appear on the court, uh, on the field of play, but those are only used um, at the end to pretty much... Um, it, I, I, this is a touch that I really like. You can bribe officials. <laughs> um, you can kind of effectively elect to take um, stimulants so that you've got more... Um, you know, you, you, you're faster and more powerful in the tackle, or you... Conversely, you can um, reduce the opposition team's uh, power and strength and, and whatever. Um, and I also, quite, not only I think that's quite a cool touch, although obviously um, completely kind of absurd in a way, um, they actually, when when they introduce the sequel that that's set some years later, they say that the original Speedball League fell apart due to corruption, basically, <laughs> and, you know, and the drug abuse or whatever. So I always thought that was quite cool. Mm. But it's a very it's a it's a very simple game, isn't it? I mean, it, it, there's no there's no at this point there's no aftertouch. You can't curve the ball. You can't um, you can't really jump and catch in the same way as you can in Speedball Two. Um, it, everything pretty much happens in the eight main directions of uh, of a joystick. And if you you know if you bounce a ball off a wall, it goes in forty five degree or ninety degree angles. But it's with a, I think going back to it now, it's it's still highly playable. And I think that once again, just down to its simplicity, one button 
and eight directions. It's mm. it's very hard to you know for anyone not to understand how that system works. And actually, yeah. you know, the tackle systems, it's it's really easy to get your head around. You can tackle someone, you just slide in someone, you get the ball back. If they slide into you, they get the ball back. Um, and it also has that kind of pong s feel to it, where you know if you aim it off a wall, you know roughly mm. the direction it's going to go. And so <clears> it, like all that stuff still stands now. And I, and I can see you know now we kind of kind of look at it. And say, oh yeah, you know, this is that the whole one button dream that you know many people have been chasing for many years, and and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But back then, you know, accessibility in games was really important. Um, although some games really failed, you know, tremendously. But here, like say twenty, what say twenty seven years down the line, just pick up, play straight. Like there was no need to relearn anything. It was just pick up, play. And I, mm. I really admired it for that. It was just yeah, okay, we we got it running again. Um, and I, I assume, you know, me back then felt exactly the same way. It's just, you know, instant, instant gratification um, just because there was nothing to learn. Yeah. Um, I mean, other uh, there were other, as, as I say, other future sport games around at this point. It was it was it was quite the thing. There was a, a game that I remember from the Spectrum called uh, Skateball um, at the arcades. Atari made a, a coin op called Cyberball, which was mm-hmm. a game you could still get on. Uh, compilations and Xbox Live Arcade, which is American football with robots and an exploding ball, um, Super Baseball 2020, Killer Ball, uh, Bill Lamebeer's Combat Basketball, and Death Row, um, to name but a few. There were there were quite a few, but this was the one that I think captured my imagination again, if I'm honest, because the graphics were so shiny, um, and it was really really fast as well. You know. Mm. Um, I'd played I'd played a lot of eight bit sports games, um, and you know things like Micro Soccer, which you know again takes a, a similar viewpoint to this, pretty much top down, um, as did some of the football coin ops of the day. Um, this had an enormous amount of pace, and I was I've been playing the I, I decided to go I, you know if I'd had infinite time I would have loved to have tried out every different version and mm. see the the you know how that how they stacked up. But I've been back to the Amiga one on on emulation and. Um, it was just, I, yeah, I just picked it up again so quickly, mm-hmm. even though I played a ton more Speedball 2 and I, and I'm still better at that one. It was, it had been probably almost literally 25 and a half years since I played the original Speedball, but I, I won my first three or four games. Um, and I know, you know, it's only AI opponents. Um, and it's, and it's odd going back to Speedball 1 in the sense that one one goal is one point like there's so little um subtlety or, mm. or complexity to the scoring system which is all brought in in the sequel where you can rack up ridiculous scores um but yeah you know it just it just quickly came back to me obviously i was playing with an xbox uh <laughs> controller instead of a what would have been you know a, a, a a classic standard uh, eight-way micro-switched or leaf-switched joystick like a Competition Pro or a Zip Stick or who knows what else. <clears throat> um, but it, yeah, it came it came back very quickly. Yeah, you mentioned pace being, you know, the key success to Speedball 1 and 2. The Mars System version of Speedball 1, it struggles. It kind of, it comes and goes with its its frame rate, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of slows down when the ball's bouncing off of things at funny angles. Like, I don't think the computer can, or well, the system, sorry, or the Mars System can handle so many kind of physics at any one time. It, it kind of, it really kind of takes the wind out the sails when you're hurtling towards the goal, you know, the enemy goal. And it's like, oh, and it's gone down to like 10 frames a second or something stupid. It really <laughs> kind of just 
hampers yeah. the whole experience. And but, again, it's kind of saturated blue and it kind of just feels a bit in, limp. In a way, that's why I love playing the, these games on the original systems they're released for. Purely because like Leon, I, I played Speedball 1 under emulation and, you know, <laughs> it, what, it you could run this on pretty much anything, couldn't you now? So mm, it just, yeah. it runs super smooth and there was no, no issues whatsoever. But I'm sure on my Amiga, you know, I remember it maybe, you know, you know, what's the word? You know, the fidelity of it not looking anywhere near as crisp and sharp, and you know, having its well, own that's, issues. Yeah, that's to do with the setup. I mean, you can obviously with with emulators, you can either have them emulate the game exactly as was by um, mirroring the processor speed and stuff like that, mm. or you can let it max out at you know whatever frames. Um, but I, I generally, it will be limited to a top end because otherwise, it would run. Um, Super fast. If you if you ever play one of those games that doesn't limit the top end, like um, the original XCOM UFO Enemy Unknown, um, like the the globe on that game like spins at a million miles an hour because <laughs> because basically that game originally ran so slowly on eight bit processors mm. that they they left it unlocked, you know, with the hope that it would you would be able to run it faster by improving your machine or whatever. So unlocked games tend to run insanely. But I was playing this at you know like, yeah like a smooth sixty frames or whatever. But things that you're talking about the visual fidelity of course this is this is a factor Pl- mm-hmm. going back to the original hardware we'd have been playing on an amiga um through and probably almost certainly through an rf cable mm. so the fuzziest uh composite yeah, i don't think image. the resolution that would be now well resolution wouldn't be any different i mean the resolution is is the same it, like you, you'll be you might be playing it in a window on a high resolution mm. desktop but the resolution isn't boosted by default it's the same resolution mm. um just in a much smaller area um, you can obviously you can zoom it up and 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 whatever make it big and blocky, but yeah, I mean it's the old basically it's the old um, the old television standard was um, five two five yeah. you know power lines, but not all games because I mean yeah this we're going back to the times where not all games would fill the screen on power because they were designed to work in NTSC as well. So Speedball two for instance, which we'll come to plays in a tiny little window i think for multiple reasons but you probably didn't notice it at the time because you didn't care but it actually runs in almost you know like a kind of like a postcard size image um and it's really quite claustrophobic all the versions that you play more recently will you know fill the screen of whatever you're playing on whether it's the recent pc version or or the the ps mini on a vita it's nice and full screen but back then um, if you can, if you emulate it accurately, you are looking at playing on a, a, a space that's about a third the size of the screen, which mm. is, which is remarkable in itself. But yeah, things like being able to see, I noticed on emulation, I was thinking, yeah, these graphics, you know, they still look, they still look like, um, you know, arcade graphics of the time, like the, the, met- the metallic highlights and, and, um, pixel art was reminding me of things like Xevious at the arcades. But of course, yeah, we played it through fuzzy, fuzzy, <laughs> where all the all the all the pixels blended together. We might have been a lot of people might have still been playing on black and white TVs. Mm. Um, certainly playing on, uh, you know, I played virtually all my Amiga games on a on a portable. I don't even know what screen inch size it would have been, but about seventeen inches or something like that. So actually, the the actual playing size was probably not much bigger than like a a, a game game uh, a wii u gamepad screen mm. if you think about it which is mind-boggling really there is one quite interesting um difference between one and two uh, the uh, the ball launcher at the start every time yeah. you score I, I can see why they took that out because 
you know, in the second one, the 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 feeling of smashing someone's face when the ball gets launched in the air is <laughs> is quite something. Yeah, but the I totally forgot about the spinny ball launcher that random sort of yeah, because yeah. it just doesn't feel fair at all, does it? It kind of just leaves it up to just the computer's choice of where the ball lands. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's interesting going back, um, and it's, it'll also be interesting to talk about the tweaks they've made as regards to the the. Uh, the hockey off face off whatever it's called when the ball launches in the sequel hmm. because they've it's something they've actually tweaked over the years with different versions um but i suppose the the random factor seems all right to me in that it it's kind of like a it's like a, a a football bounce up you know when when the referee stops play for hmm. for a reason that isn't um you know, uh, to do with one team fouling another or whatever. So, uh, you know, play has to stop for an injury. So they have a bounce up. Often it's uncontested these days. So they'll just pass the ball back. But obviously this is speedball. <laughs> so you're contesting wherever the ball lands. But I suppose people didn't like the fact that perhaps because it was, you know, quotes random. I know nothing's ever actually random on a computer because <laughs> it's always generating sequences of numbers over and over again. But you could have it so that in one match, it always appeared on one side of the field unless they made it so that that doesn't happen possibly i don't know no maybe it's just that i was so bad at the game but you so either quickly get the ball or lose the ball most of the mm. time of you know once you've received it it's you, and i never got to the point and i leon maybe you could you know say that whether this is true but could you do the old kind of sensi soccer kind of just work your way up the pitch and shoot for an angle and score every single time without being touched i, I no. So uh, not really. I didn't feel um, overly bad if if I was losing, you know, if I didn't get the ball that time because it was like, well, you know, I was going to lose the ball eventually and I just need to work my way out the field anyway. No, I mean, and I think that's one of the criticisms, particularly of Speedball 1, even over Speedball 2, um, is that it is a little bit chaotic. And of course, as I say, you know, I, I went back, my muscle memory kicked in. Um, and just a, an un, under, you know an understanding of what is a very simple concept uh, meant that I was fairly quickly beating the lower you know the lower end CPU opposition, mm. and it really does just come down to um, speed of response really. Um, so you, uh, you and smashing the keeper's face in. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You will you will lose the ball. Yep. Um, you know you can't you can't just. Um, it's very hard to just pass it around and keep it away from the CPU because the tackles come in thick and fast. It's a very con- it's a very constricted space and possession turns over a lot. And I think that's kind of the point in a way. And really, you're trying to um, you're trying to maximise your opportunities. You're you know you're playing a percentage game, and this is where I think speedball always worked. And this this is something that I like about both games. It really didn't take me very long before I was in the moment of mm. playing the match. You know, you find mm-hmm. yourself a goal behind. And the fact that it's a 27-year-old game on a, and I'm playing it on a little windowed screen on, on, uh, on a desktop computer, on emulation, it was just, I'd forgotten. I just didn't, I wasn't thinking conscious about what I was doing as it was, I am 1-0 down in this game <laughs> of future sport and I must score and- and also the beauty of that is that the game, well, the yeah, the actual game time is is really short, so that it doesn't, yeah. out, you know, suddenly you're not playing a, a twenty five minute game that they're, they're really limited, so you you can't hang around and think, oh, I'll make this back. It's I have to make this back now. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very yeah, as well as being fast paced, as you say, in the sense of the sprite speed, the the, the they move around the arena. Um, 
I mean, actually, I don't think it is that fast in the sense of if you actually look at them run, they're not running that fast no. because everything's everyone's on top of each other mm-hmm. and it's all played in such a constricted space. It feels like it is very mm-hmm. fast. And yeah, with that clock where you've got just like a time bar constantly ticking down in the first game, um, you know that if, if you stay a goal down, um, you know, for too long, that could be that could be game over. I think one of the mistakes they made in the first game, because there's very little content in the first game. I mean, it's just... You know, it's just super simple play series of mm. matches. Um, get a get a winning screen if you win enough matches in a row, kind of thing. There's there's no there's no league and there's no transfer market. All the, a lot of the stuff they added in the, in the sequel. Um, so you play sort of two legged games all the time. Um, so you know, I, I like you know I like aggregate scores in football. It's it's always an interesting thing. But I think in in this game, certainly in the cup, anyway, it's just it's always aggregate scores. So mm. you, you end up playing sort of four halves um, in two over two matches. But it might as well just be a f- one four quartered match for all the difference it makes because it's not like you're playing away from home. It's not like <laughs> you're ever playing down the screen. Um, it's it's just the same thing over and over again, which again you know kind of betrays just how old this game is. I, I think that's that's some of my issues with. The original Speedball is that it feels very much like a, a you know proof of concept, um, and certainly playing the the two next to each other, that the extra you know narrow narrowness of the screen, um, slightly chaotic play that you 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 know there's not huge amounts of room to maneuver and and you know you feel like you can tackle a bit too fast, um, it's just a lot a lot of that stuff tends to stack up and the, the you know the fun part of it. Although it's you know once again just making sure you you get more points to the other team is is always fun in itself, but just the you know the slightly more complex okay I know that I need to do this and I can take the player off the boards, it's all just betterly for for me anyway, um, put together in Speedball too. So going back and them certainly playing them side by side, I was always I was always there thinking I'm gonna do another league of speedball too because <laughs> there's there's this issues here that you know they, that were for me were addressing speedball too not that it's necessarily a huge criticism of the first game because mm. like i say i think even as a proof proof of concept it it was it's still you know fun to play 27 years down the line which mm. you know well done yeah it still has that traditional speedball vibe of you play a game for a, you know you haven't played speedball for a long time you, you turn it on and you think, oh yeah, like oh no, I'm losing that. Okay, and then but within seconds, because you've seen the computer play or your brother play or your mate play, you you picked up the rules because it's a one button game. You picked it up within mm. seconds, and yeah. you're you're back in the action. You never feel like with some sports games, you know, of modern of modern days, you kind of feel like there's so much to them that when you're one nil down, you have to try and you know do some sort of cat's cradle with your fingers to to actually get a, the the ball back and knock it into their net. Whereas with speedball, it's just like okay, you can you can push the ball through this wall and it'll come out the other side. You can make the ball go electric if you want and, you know, knock the keeper out. And you sort of know it all within seconds. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's funny quite, as well it's because unique. if you, you know, modern games have tried to do this. So, you know, I think a very, you know, apt parallel would be, you know, the, the latest NHL type games. They, mm. they actually, they've gone a long way to, you know, the complexity of using now a, a joystick to, con- to control the actual stick, um, you know, and using the other stick for how hard you hit the puck and, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, fakes and and all all the stuff you expect from a modern sports game. But you know, conversely, and and FIFA has also done this. Is they have like the two button controller. You know, one one hits it, one tackles, and and that's it. And it's almost going you know arcing back to the you know eight sixteen bit era. Um, yet I can't help but feel when I'm playing those games in in that mode that 
you, you know you're cheating yourself. You know there's so much more that you could be doing in those games, and actually you you know you'd probably be better off actually just spending you know a, a few days or a few weeks learning everything about that game. Where something like Speedball, it was designed around that, and it just feels mm. so you know so satisfying because yeah you, you're not fooling yourself. This is how the game is designed. This is how everybody's going to play it, um, and it just comes off a lot you know a lot more honest than some of the, the later games to try to get people into the you know the deeper context, but. That's not to say that Speedball doesn't have its own set of rules that you can either break or um, master, for sure, because it does. <laughs> and I think talking to somebody about playing this for the first time now uh, would be that my hunch is that although you know there are a lot of um, games around that are popular now that are you know in a quote retro style and have have a simplicity about them and and hark back to you know. Um, classic era 8 and 16 bit stuff i feel that this game would struggle to um entertain a modern audience for mm. a particularly long time because it's so simple this first speedball because it is just the eight directions the ball can only bounce in eight directions there's no there's not you know this was a year before kickoff 1 so there's you know we haven't mm. seen after touch yet um as i say although the ball appears to change height in the air it's got you know it's got an animation where it gets closer towards the mm. screen um, it doesn't really affect anything. There's no sort of aerial game. Whereas in the sequel, if you jump to catch the ball, you're more vulnerable to flying tackles, which is such a crucial thing to the flow of the game in that sequel. Here, it pretty much is about work the ball from one end to the other, and you can really play a long ball game as well. You can just luz it from mm. one end to the other. Um, now, of course, in ice hockey, there's a rule against that called icing, I believe, which is to stop you playing... Uh, a really tedious, just whack out the other end of the rink, um, you know, kind of Stoke City. Yeah, so we have to any Stoke City fans. <laughs> well, you have an offside rule, but there's no, yeah, there's no, there's nothing to stop you lumping it if you want to, other than, yeah. other mm. than the offside rule. Whereas the offside rule in hockey, the ice hockey is separate to the, the icing rule. Um, but in this, there's none of that. There's no rules. And that's, that's kind of the point. But, and, and, and I like the fact that it means that you can kind of create your own style and probably, playing that long ball game against some of the the AI opponents will you'll come a cropper because they'll just they'll just get there first pick it up and start working it back down the other end but against the easier teams you know you chuck out the other end one of them picks it up you smash them in the back of the head and throw it at an yeah. angle in the goal and that works yep. but yeah you know I I'm not going to lie and say that I've been back to this for hundreds of hours and I got to the you know got to the you know the championship winning team because um, because I haven't, I did it. I absolutely did it back in the day. I did everything you could do on both of these games. But I think um, it's it for me. The thing that really dates this is a lack of physics. Do you know what I mean? There's no mm. real physics in this game. Completely understandably, it's a 1988 game. Mm -hmm. But what I really yearn for, and what what when I've been playing both these games for this podcast, is it, it's been making me think as you know as clearly have developers and publishers and fans how good would a modern version of this be with proper physics with you know with high-end graphics and stuff like that could it be could it be as good as i think it is in my mind's eye so it's not just a case of i've hit that guy it's made the same one sound effect again mm. he's fallen over in the same way again the ball's bounced off in exactly the same angle again and you know that it that simplicity is 
it can be wearing quite quickly, it, I think. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but then, yeah, they, they have messed around with kind of pseudo 3D versions, etc. Um, yes. I guess to, you know, to reach that dream and, you know, with varying results. And I, I think like like you, there there is a sense of, you know, going back to this, there for me, there is a sense of rose-tinted glasses because, you know, this is part, that makes up part of my childhood. So that there is a part of me that, you know, has an instantaneous gratification from seeing just the sprites on screen. And, you know, and that's fantastic. But yeah, let's be honest, if, if I you know, took my nephew, probably, he'd, he'd probably, you know, one of my nephews, they'd probably sit down and, and enjoy it like anybody else. But they'd also say, okay, there's a billion and one games like this on my iPhone. Um, and he wouldn't be wrong. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. Yeah. And, you know, in, in, you know, the greatest respect, you know, that's a great thing. There's tons of people trying to make games very similar to this and, and why not? But yeah, but yeah, roast into spectacles and all. Yeah. This is a very simplistic game, certainly by today's standards, but yeah, then very, very different. We've had just a little bit of correspondence about these games. It's interesting because, you know, we consider, especially the second one, such such a beloved uh, game and a lot of people have been excited that we were going to cover it and it was a game that I felt there was a real clamour for to be re-released on Xbox Live Arcade and that happened and mm-hmm. then nothing really got said about it. But uh, we've only had a limited amount of correspondence and perhaps for this first game it's, um, it's understandable because it is that old. You know, a lot of people listen to this podcast won't have been born when this game came out. Um, but uh, Ari G says our own uh, Aaron Green says I had the original speedball on the master system I never liked sports games but I loved speedball it was fast and brutal even in the way it sounded the AI was difficult to conquer at least for younger me and the multiplayer never failed to bring out the rarely seen competitive side of me speedball was a game from an age where sports games were more arcade uh, and featured power-ups it was fun and frustrating at the same time I will always miss it but likely won't ever revisit it and there's something bittersweet about that yeah, I mean, I was thinking about you know what a what a simple um, package it is. You know, there there is a league, there is a cup, um, that's it, and there's a two player game, and this would have cost. Although it cost me, I think I, I have a recollection of about eight pounds in a you know in a, in its box, an original copy, obviously not a pirate, um, and second hand a couple of years after it was out. This would have been uh, probably I think a, either nineteen ninety maybe nineteen ninety nine on ST and twenty four ninety nine on Amiga something like that Sheesh. when it was originally out. Um, and these are nineteen eighty eight prices, you know. So oh. um, I mean, sixteen bit games varied wildly. <clears throat> you could get budget games for for a fiver all the way up to big box things for forty quid. So um, and the prices flip-flopped around over over the 16-bit era um but i think i would have even if i had bought this if i'd had a meager in 88 and i bought this for 25 quid new as simple as it is i don't think i would have felt ripped off because Hmm. the combination of the uh absolutely tip-top presentation um those you know gorgeous 16-bit graphics and the two-player mode Hmm. you know that is you know, effectively endless. If you've got a, if you've got somebody who wants to play it with you, I don't think I would have felt ripped off even, even spending what would have been like, you know, probably a day's wages for me back then. Uh, we'll come back and summarise our feelings of both games at the end, of course, as we always do. But I think it's time we moved on to the game that many people call Speedball. It's Speedball Two Brutal Deluxe. Now, I have a strong memory of going and buying this game in what I thought was about March nineteen ninety one. Um, which is possible, but 
if that is the case, I didn't buy it when it first came out because apparently it came out in late 1990 or according to some sources, early 1990, but I'm definitely disputing that um, <laughs> because, you know, I was, I was already, you know, pretty much an adult at this point and, and my memory isn't, isn't that bad, especially for video game related things. So, um, Although the team, you know, still the design team still comprised of uh, the famous Bitmap brothers, Eric Matthews, Steve Kelly um, and Mike Montgomery. Um, apparently Mike Montgomery did less of the coding of this than he did on the first game. And uh, a newer Bitmap brother, Rob Trevelyan, was involved in the coding. Um, and there are also another couple of, uh, you know, non-original um, bitmaps, let's call them, in uh, Simon Knight and Graham Boxall. Uh, Graham Boxall, who our own Darren Gargett uh, is uh, proud to call a friend, an associate, yeah, a an, an, an ex-boss, yeah, and, an ex-boss, and uh, yeah. yeah, still a, a regular Facebook cohort, and yeah, yeah, and, uh, one of the nicest hat-wearing guys I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. like, always it, wearing a hat, always a hat. Yeah, there's never, I've never seen him without a hat. It's weird. Has he got a bald spot? I think he's never taken it off. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. That's the mystery. Uh, it's not, a, it's not a speedball helmet though, so. But yeah, one day when I was at Mastertronic, I mentioned Speedball 2 because I think it was Christmas time and that's when I generally play Speedball 2 with my brothers. Mm. It gets wheeled out on the 360 and uh, we, we play it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to play some Speedball 2. And then I just heard you know, behind me, yeah, I worked on Speedball 2. And I was like, uh, this is like several years after I've been working with him. I was like, yeah. how have I not known this about you before? Like, it's one of those things like, you know, you work in the industry, but I never really asked the people around me what they did mm. before now because you, you're kind of in the moment, you're kind of working for now. Mm. It was just such a, it's like, Suddenly, like you know, I, you know, I had laughs and jokes with him years before, but now it's kind of like, oh god, there's a guy who made Speedball too behind me, or you know, or <laughs> yeah. at least help make it. It's kind of yeah, like yeah. my um my little nerd stardom geek man inside me started cheering. I was like, yes, I'm working with one of the guys who worked on Speedball too. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, it sounds like because teams were so small back then, it was although people d- had specific roles, it was generally a collaborative process. Everyone sitting in the same room or a couple of rooms. Mm. So I think you know everyone would have had input. Um, and uh, you've had I know you've had a little brief chat with with him about some of the uh, some little nuggets and tidbits that we'll come on to hmm. about the development of the game. I think probably the most striking thing is the very uh, removed look of the game. It's still obviously a future sport with armoured guys punching each other and throwing a metal ball around a metal arena. But the visual style is now um, quite other. Um, and it's uh, the graphics by Dan Malone. Um, and he brings, I think, you know, people will remember those and, and you still see them. There's this, they've been slightly altered, but they're still in the modern recent versions of Speedball 2. These very distinctive character designs, hmm. um, and all the stuff like the, the funny knee wobbly animation when you score a goal, <laughs> um, and, uh, and the little robot dudes that come on and, mm. and scrape Ambulance, yeah. players off the bench, uh, off the, off the park and all that sort of thing. I think it's, um, it's a distinctive looking game. And I think, uh, I think one of the issues I have with the recent versions, um, and we will talk about those is that they have stepped away from, mm from the pure look of the original. One of the only issues I remember about, well, there's a couple of things I remember about the graphics of the original was that um, it was sometimes at pace hard to tell the difference between one team and the other. Yeah, the helmet colours are quite uh, muted, aren't they? They're a bit... All they had was coloured stripes and and you had a different coloured cursor. So, yeah, what they did was when, I think it was when they released the CD32 version, uh, the Amiga CD version, that they 
uh, kind of fully coloured in the kits. They use the mm. um, AGA advanced graphic architecture of the later Amigas to basically to bolster the colour palette and add more colours. And and virtually every version since then has gone with with something like that. So it, so you don't have quite have that confusion. It was never a problem for me because I used to destroy my friends at this game. <laughs> um, so yeah, back to our histories. Um, my memory, uh, you know, I'm normally pretty good when it comes to video game stuff. Um, my memory is that I bought this when it was pretty much brand new. Um, I remember it being wintry and I remember taking it home and playing the living heck out of it um, until I until I could just, you know, just walk through it all the all the way up to the ultimate team called Super Nash One. Um, I remember them being a challenge at first, but by by the end, I knew exactly how to tear everyone apart in this game. I remember one session after it when it was still quite new around at, uh, my friend Jim's. He plugged the, uh, his uh, flatmate's Amiga into his then massive 25-inch <laughs> cathode ray tube television with an RGB scart lead. Whoa. So you could see the pixel art, and yeah. it was just sensational. It was a stereo telly as well. It was stereo speakers. This was all stuff that I didn't have at home. I had a mono, you know, fuzzy, portable. This was amazing. And I sat there, and I played knockout mode. They hadn't seen the game before, and I played all the way through knockout mode in, in, in that sitting, and they were just like cheering me on like it was a proper sporting <laughs> event it was fantastic and that is a memory i have oh, wow. you know, a quarter of a century on um uh, probably a, le- a less fond memory but still does get brought up from time to time is the visits of my friends uh, simon simon cook who we had on sound of play mm-hmm. a while back and my old friend neil who was generally um a uh, we played football games we we played emlyn hughes international soccer we moved on to kickoff we moved on to kickoff two we moved on to sensible soccer but during this period we also played a little bit of speedball too but it lasted about two sessions because the scores you can rack up against people who don't know what they're doing um <laughs> are just utterly demoralizing so by default you play a two-legged match um, against uh, against a human opponent, and I was racking up sort of three four hundred points a game. So the the aggregate scores were you know sort of like seven eight hundred points to like one or two, and nobody wanted to play me anymore. You're that guy that I don't want to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's completely. And and you know what? I wasn't going to patronise them by going easy. So I kind of shot myself in the foot there a bit. Maybe I should have. Maybe you, I should have. You've got to know, yeah, when to ease up. Just let them score. Yeah. Because. I'd be like competitive. Even if I had kids, I'd be like competitive dad. I'd just be smashing that kid. <laughs> just, you know, teaching them life lessons. Anyway, enough about me. Tony, um, so you got this in your big box of inherited stuff. Yeah, I did. Um, just talking about the, the memories. I mean, let's say it was around 93. That seems about right right for me um this was my older brother's amiga 500 yes um and just to paint that picture of you know of playing games back then and, and i'm sure kids have it now with their you know whatever their three sixes and stuff under the tv but i was in the smallest room in the house it, I, we used to call it the box room toilet oh no no, no. it's yeah it's the smallest bedroom it's just the, the one bedroom just about fit a single bed in there and you could walk through the door and down the side of it and at the end of the bed, there was a. You know, I was above the stairway, so the Amiga Five Hundred just sat on the box that you know means, means you nice. walk over the stairs. No, no room for your knees. Just the end of the bed crammed into that, so I couldn't stick my knees under there. But um, <laughs> you know, you got the keyboard in front of you. You got my joystick. Most of the time, just sat back on the you know right on the edge of the bed. And uh, the older, you know, the older Amiga. Um, I had, I'm not too sure. I had, I had like a PC monitor attached to it, but it was one that, nice. yeah, that came with it. Yeah, some people did. Um, well, that, would, that would have been nice because you'd have got a, probably had a sharper yeah, um, image Yeah, and it's, you know, like all, all great things, the Amiga was a white colour that quickly went to 
uh, like a putrid grey white um, uh, or yes. yellow yellow white. Yellow. Um, oh yeah, well my, my Amiga <laughs> 500, um, we used to, while we were playing sensible soccer and kick off for literally sort of eight hours at a time, three times a week. Uh, we also used to chain smoke, so yeah. it's just, well, it was just. I wasn't ridiculous. doing that in my room then, but that, you know, it's nevertheless. <laughs> uh, I, I remember those things are really vivid, and they stick with me for you know all these years down the line. And yeah, that's where where the majority. I, I would just sit there at the end of the bed, you know, joystick in hand, and uh, you know, staring at that screen from you know quite a close distance. But you know, from today's standards, quite a small screen. Yeah, um, yeah, that's really where you know it's just a big box of games, but. Like all these big boxes of games, yeah, there's a whole, you know, you'll try whole loads at one night and some would never return back into the machines that yeah. others, you know, made that, that, you know, that moment from the box and onto the side of the cabinet where mm-hmm. they'd be constantly put in and Speedball, you know, along with, you know, quite a few others was, was one of those. And yeah, I spent a good long time. But unfortunately, uh, my brothers never really liked Speedball. We used to play lots of football games against each other, and I think that's just where the, you know, the general time playing as kids <clears> together was. So Speedball, was, for me, was very much a, a solitary experience. Um, so, mm. you know, I wouldn't say I was racking up those the kind of scores you were, but it, it was it was one where I, I certainly played through the leagues and, and you know, got very good at it. Uh, I wouldn't say those yeah. skills have, have, have stuck with me 24 years, 25 years down. Uh, the line, but yeah, yeah, I got into the next division, etc. By you know, replaying it now, and yeah, went back and uh, messed around with some emulation stuff. But the primary one I, I played was the the HD re-release um, for this show, um, which is yeah, it was recently on sale on Steam at the time of recording for it was ten percent of its normal price, wasn't it? it yeah, was, um, sixty nine p instead of six pound ninety nine. Carl was going to be on the show, but unfortunately couldn't make it due to yeah, know, technical issues. issues yeah. Um, and he brought it from Good Old Games, I believe, uh, oh, okay. and gave me a uh, you know a DRM free version just a, right. in the Dropbox. Yeah, it's almost like going back to my youth again. It's like, hey, have a copy of this. <laughs> have a pirate copy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So that was really nice of him. Yeah, yeah that's the that's the version I primarily played. But uh, once again, just didn't feel like the version I played back then and had to kind of go off seek and, and find an emulation version just to kind of, mm. to really feel like, you know, this is the people to that I knew and, and, and grew up and, and loved. So yeah, messed yeah. around, you know, a fair different few versions, but yeah, once again, rose tinted spectacles and all, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Darren. There's, there's, there's more to be said. Don't yeah. Worry. Uh, yeah. Darren Gargett. Uh, so mm. you'd have been, you'd have been pretty young man when Speedball yeah. came out. Yeah, proper young. And I think the way our family worked and the fact that we didn't get everything straight away, we were a little bit behind the curve. Um, but I remember being kind of like the whipping boy for the Mega Drive with my brother, my older brother mm. James. Um, you know, Mutant League football, Mutant League hockey, sensible soccer and all that. It was kind of like James got bored of playing the computer. So he wanted to, you know, just beat his beat brothers. His brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Darren, come in here, play some games. You know, I was, I was always into the you know games back then. Uh, but I do think Speedball 2 only fueled my fire to, you know, be more interested in video games because it was just so, I think I'd seen like the the running man around this time as well. And it kind of had in my head that the Speedball 2 was part of the running man in some weird way. And it was like, you know, dystopia, yeah. you know, just angry, <laughs> just a, a lot of fighting and stuff. And um, yeah, I just remember just playing it over and over and over again. I remember seeing the intro with the uh, that incredible music. I just, I love the way that music sounds. And weirdly enough, the Prodigy sort of, use it in one of their latest songs so there's probably a link there somewhere oh really yeah kind of like really like grungy menacing 
loud noises, which is probably mm. the prodigy anyway. But yeah, it's kind of you see that little guy standing in the archway, and it's telling you all about the um, the, History, the corruption. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know, yeah. five years later, the Speedball Two is coming back, and you know, back then that was nothing on me. Like I was just looking at it thinking, what what are they going on about? But yeah, playing it, keep, keep playing it over and over and over again over the years. It's kind of interesting to see that was like um, a bit of um, you know, law connectivity there, which is quite which is quite cool. But yeah, like I say, I was just literally the whipping boy, even to this day. I'm not very good at it, but I that doesn't stop me enjoying the hell out of it. So one thing I always thought was interesting visually was, um, so the ST version, again, was <clears throat> the lead. Um, and the pitch that you play on was uh, only ever so slightly more complex to look at. It was a kind of patterned grid uh, than the original Speedball. But the Amiga version had a much more ornate kind of drawn... Um, a drawn playing surface with different mm. shaped panels all, the, all around and stuff like that. But I always thought it was weird how generally when games were ported from Mega Drive to Amiga, things like EA games like Road Rash, Madden, mm. Desert Strike, they were always a, a bit downgraded because uh, the Mega Drive generally was, you know, it was a, it was a powerhouse machine designed in the late 80s to play arcade-style games. So it just had more gaming oomph than the Amiga although fewer colours. Um, the Mega Drive version that was converted by a Virgin Games team, as was the Sega Master System version, they kept the ST grid pitch rather than the more um, sort of uh, aesthetically intriguing Amiga version. But I remember some people, you know, there were always there was always some apologists who would say, well, the ST version and the Mega Drive version, it's much easier to see what's going on. So it's, you know, so it's better, <laughs> even though the graphics aren't as good kind of thing. So I'm not sure how that went down. Um, yeah, this game got ported to a number of machines. Chrysalis did a port to the Acorn Archimedes, which was not the home to too many games. Uh, there was, again, a PC-DOS version. Um, it even came out on the, the original black-and-white Game Boy, Mindscape, um, who used to be based uh, in the south of England, um, Burgess Hill near here. Oh, that's not good. Did a version. 1992, that came out. Wow. And then... B- bizarrely, uh, nine years after that, it arrived on the then new uh, Game Boy Advance. That, you know what? That's quite a good version. Is it? Yeah. I've never played it. I'm very interested to hear that. Yeah, it's actually, it runs smoothly and it look. you know, the Game Boy screen is quite, the Game Boy Advance screen is quite small, but, you know, it kind of works. And I was quite impressed. I remember I was in KD consoles in, in town at this point. So I remember putting it in with my interest for Speedball 2 and thinking, you know, this is actually how I remember Speedball 2 being on the Mega Drive. It's actually a decent port. Mm, excellent. Uh, probably hard to get hold of now, I would imagine. Possibly you might. It's the sort of game you might find an unboxed copy lying around yeah. in, in a second-hand shop, but I reckon if you got tried to get a mint copy of eBay, you're probably looking at money, mm-hmm. I would I would guess. I, would massive, I wouldn't imagine it had a massive run, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so I suppose... The key differences are, uh, we didn't really talk about the pickups and power-ups in the first game other than the coins, but there were some items. Uh, so the in the second game, there's a, there's a, there, there are points on either uh, end of the pitch where you can electrify the ball, as you mentioned. But in the <laughs> first game, that was just a random pickup. Mm-hmm. And in the two-player game on Speedball 1, there was even that most heinous of collectibles, the reverse your opponent's joystick <laughs> controls, uh, sort of for comedy value as, you know, they, they run off the screen and they just about get start to get used to it when it changes back and yeah. so on. <laughs> um, but this game added, as well as adding various different collectibles, so armour... Uh, 
and helmets uh, that would boost their various stats until they were either tackled again or the end of the match, whichever came first, normally the tackle. Um, there were also coins to uh, collect, which could be used to uh, train your team effectively um, in between matches. Um, and also uh, sort of power-up tokens, which would do things like freeze the entire team, uh-huh. knock them all over, um, put a lock over your goal for a period of time, uh, various others. I can't remember them all. Any good ones I've missed? Mm, no, usually when I pick them up, it's usually the freeze or the knock them all over. And like I said earlier, it, you kind of forget that those things exist and then you see it and then immediately you're, you, you know, you're reminded that those things pick stuff up. I, I kind of like the fact that games kind of discreet but then all of a sudden it's all sort of exposed and you sort of know what's going on um yeah but yeah um there's um the the whole look of speedball 2 you you can tell it's that kind of game because uh, there's something about the hud that just works for me and you know it's a bitmap brothers game because chaos engine does a similar thing um i just i kind of like the whole vibe of the way everything's kind of like shiny and rounded and stuff and it it kind of that feeds into like all the power-ups and stuff as well it all kind of feels like it belongs on that field if you know what i mean it's it's a weird thing but when you start knocking people over with the power-ups and freezing them and closing the goals it like when you when you explain to someone out loud it kind of sounds weird but there is there is some weird like cohesion to it it all kind of just seems to fit together but, you know, on the surface, it kind of feels like it's just crazy. Like, oh, you pick up a thing and everyone falls over. But when you play, when you're playing it, I think because it moves at such a pace and such a, you know, such a speed, you don't really have time to think about how weird it is. You just kind of have to deal with it. And uh, yeah, I do enjoy the power-ups. I think in, in my play style as well, it, it's very hard. Obviously, you know, random power-ups, they, they are that, they are random. So it's, it's very hard to play a game with that in mind. So quite often, either it happened to you or you do it to somebody else. And it's really... It's just in that flow of motion. You're like, oh, okay, right. Everyone's frozen. Now I've got you know four seconds to to execute this move. And quite mm. often, what would happen was you'd hit a power up, or for me anyway, I'd hit a power up. It would take me two or three seconds to to register what I had just achieved in <laughs> like what's just happened in the game. And almost by which time, yeah, you know, there's only a two or three seconds left of the power up ability. And so, so quite often, I'd use the power ups, and then you know just play my normal game. And and if it played as an advantage then great and if it didn't mm. then I didn't really lose anything now I'm sure Leon's going to tell me that they are critical to the success of well I think they can be game changing but um, actually a lot of the problem with the particularly the, I mean the, ver- the version I'm really only familiar with is the Amiga version and the subsequent Xbox Live Arcade version that mm-hmm. is pretty much um, is based on that uh, you're playing in such a confined and restricted area and because the scrolling is kind of being dragged around a lot of the time it's actually it can be very hard to pick up the things you want to pick up Mm. because you can't always get to them or they disappear off the screen because somebody else has got the ball and i mean it's a great game of multitasking and prioritizing this is the the key thing about um playing speedball too well is not only having you know fast reactions and, and decent joystick control it's that sort of micromanagement of priorities that constant thinking about looking at the scoreboard and checking what the situation is mm. um generally um and we have a, an interesting development nugget about this uh, key to success is uh, owning the multipliers. So down at halfway, the halfway point on each side of the screen, there is a, 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 a twisty ramp which you can luz the ball up and it spins round. Uh, if you do it once, it lights up one light. If you do it again, it lights up your second light. Hmm, and that, uh, the, 
Well, I love that sound effect. Sorry, but that sound well, effect. They've, yeah, trumpet. again, they've they've changed it in recent versions, oh. which is highly disappointing. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the audio and, and how it's changed. Um, and that gives you either one point five times or two times the score for everything you do, mm. everything. Mm. So even hitting the bounce dome, uh, I think it normally is it normally it gives you one point, but it gives you or is it two? It, uh, yeah, it gives you two, and then it's three or four if you've got a multiplier. And then to undo the multiplier, the other player has to throw the ball once to unlight the first light, again to unlight the second light, mm-hmm. again to light up their first light, mm-hmm. and again to light up their light. So if you own the multiplier. Um, you know, obviously all the time they're doing this, they're trying to own that multiplier. You are just kicking the heck out of them. And in this game, you even get points for getting people carried off. If you get some, if you get an opponent carried off while uh, you're, you've got double multiplier, that's 20 points. And they're going to end up with a substitute on the pitch from their choice of three. Uh, and ultimately they end up with fewer players. Um, and the substitutes are nearly always much weaker than the players they start with. So there's all sorts of, of things I mean, another interesting thing that we learned is because obviously this game, as you know, as you see in uh, most games nowadays, it, it, you know, FIFA, you've got live scores coming in and whatever mm-hmm. else. Well, this game, um, this wasn't always something you got back then, but here you had results of other games mm. uh, at the end of the game. Now, I'd always assumed that it was pretty much, you know, this one is this team is slightly stronger than this team, randomize the numbers and then add a one or whatever. So I always assumed that it was just uh, a big, you know, kind of random, you know, pseudo random, random score generator based on a few, um, uh, a, a few uh, factors, formulas, yeah. factors, criteria, whatever. But it turns out that um, right at the end of um, development, uh, Steve Kelly uh, decided that it would be a good idea to have the games actually calculated properly. So uh, although obviously it doesn't physically play them out with you know with the actual ball moving around it does some uh, actual mathematical jiggery pokery involving all the player stats for all the other teams and actually calculates um i I suspect there's probably a little you know kind of um variable in there to allow for certain certain other situations but that's pretty cool the fact that it's doing uh you know it's doing an algorithm it's not just it's not just plucking random numbers out of thin air Hmm. Maybe it's just adding numbers together and putting putting a four on the end. I don't know, but um, but yeah, that was one of the things. That was one of the things that uh, Graham told you about. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's quite interesting to hear kind of like these kind of key features to the game that were kind of implemented. Well, especially the multiplier, they're kind of like implemented, kind of like late in the game, development wise. Um, well, I think it was specifically um, he was saying that the sort of the player manager uh, mm. mode was added with one week to go before the game was oh, out wow. the door. So that's just like a massive, you know, when you're into Speedball 2, that is a massive kind of, yeah. you know, feature. That is, I can't believe that that actually went in with a week to go and it's actually that well, you know, um, fully featured. It's- yeah, it, it sounds like, um, yeah, I think, I think without that, I think the game would have still been fondly remembered, but I think people got so into, you know, kind of their... Creating yeah, the ultimate how, team, yeah. It's it's what yeah, people yeah. still do now on FIFA. Is it's great the uh, the team you know, of the absolutely best players of the best stats. Yeah, all those EA Sports games that added like yeah. franchise mode and things like mm. that. Um, and I remember uh, umpteen letters into into Amiga mags at the time that I was reading uh, and other multi format mags saying, "Oh God, if they do another speedball, what they have to do is allow you to um, use deluxe paint to." 
paint your own pitch icons, you know, and all this sort of thing and have a full, um, you know, like championship <laughs> manager style uh, league with different groups and playoffs and, and, you know, all this, you know, like people were really into the idea of making it like a full blown um, player manager sports sim, whereas actually what you've got in this is is quite limited. Yeah. But hmm. again, based on the fact that we know it was put in with a week to go, is pretty excellent. And I think the fact that I played through over and over again to to the same, ultimately to the same conclusion, um, as well as there being some nice uh, screens drawn by Dan Malone and some little fanfares and stuff, um, it was just that story it's you're you're telling that story you know how on the football manager podcast we talked about the stories that you create the Mm -hmm. fiction of the world well this was like a slightly limited version of that but it had the extra spice of being futuristic and ultra violent and and all that sort of thing so i remember yeah i just remember people talking about you know this is what i'd call my team and i want to be able (laughs) to name the teams and design the colors and the uniforms and a lot of the features that you would get by you know by default in a sports game now but they were kind of like dream features that that would have been all they i think all people wanted i remember was like speedball 2 plus really they wanted like a an ultimate version same core game same core gameplay but with all these um customizable uh, and expandable kind of features how, how do you feel of you know, off, off kilter question but you know you've you've said ultraviolet a number of times and you know, obviously thinking back into you know, 90 you know, it, it, well, it just, certainly now it doesn't come as ultraviolet. It just comes of I tackled him and he fell to the ground. Violent. But... Ultraviolet's a colour. No, okay. If I say if I violet, I didn't mean to say violet. If I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, violent. But just, it, it, now that does, stuff just doesn't play out at all. It's just, you know, slide, they fall to the ground, and if you do it enough times, and, uh, you know, a cool comical robot uh, comes on <laughs> and, and takes them off. That's a very good point. It was never, it was always, I mean, it was always cartoony. It was, there, there's no blood as such. There's no, um, you know, it, every tackle is a, is a literally a crunching tackle because mm. that is what the yeah. sound effect is. Um, and when I say ultra violent, I suppose I mean, as opposed to, um, you know, bowls. Yeah, I, um, I guess what I'm, what, <laughs> what I'm asking then is, you know, how 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 did it play out in in ninety one, ninety two? Like, was, well, there was no controversy no. about it. No, uh, it, it wasn't. No, it, when I said, yeah, I, it, it's like I think in my head it was worse yeah. than it was. I think in my head there were teeth flying out, and you know, I mean, EA Hockey, the EA Hockey games came along uh, just soon after this, and they started inducing little patches of blood on the ground and stuff like that, and um, that would be that would be the sort of thing that in my head would have would have improved speedball too like and that's when i think about the ultimate game it could be now on modern modern machines it, you would have proper you know like proper bone crunching you could have like mortal combat style <laughs> um you know x-ray thing, you know bones being broken in tackles and stuff like that it would be it's, really it was cool. certainly um something that i almost i don't know if i dreamed this up or where it's from another game very similar to speedball but i always remember that you could t- you know, injures like oh, you've injured someone's arm, and I, I'm sure that's from another game and another series somewhere. But you know, actual injury in phys- you know parts of body parts. You know, that's how I'd see a, a a newer release of this if they kept it Absolutely, in the kind of yeah. same isometric view. It will be mm. very much you know you go in for a crunching tackle. You know, okay, he's been injured, but it, you know he now can't run as fast, or his his throwing yeah, arm is yeah. slightly weaker. 
that wasn't in this game, but I'm sure that no. that's been in other games yeah. Um, yeah. similar to this. And some of those memories are kind of combined in, into the mm. two. Um, yeah, I can I can just see the pictures now. Like, oh, yeah, my forward's got a, a you know a, a yellow rated arm, and oh no, I can't throw, and maybe I need to substitute him. Stuff like that would make this game. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that would be on the dream the dream features mm. list of the, of those you know those wished for sequels that that we wanted would be exactly that kind of thing. Injuries injuries with lengths and recovery times, just like you know you get in a yeah in a in a in a football management simulation or whatever. Mm. I think in my head the the ultra violence came from me filling in the blanks, which is kind of yes. why I linked it to the running man like i kind of saw those as the same world and you know like the what you don't see from the mega drive version in my case is you know my brain's filling in via film i guess totally yeah mm-hmm. and so like, when you when you do see that guy in the archway at the start and you you see just how kind of bold and metallic and kind of uh, raw i guess you know it's kind of so intense in terms of its uh, visual like design you, your brain kind of thinks well i bet that i bet that place is proper dirty and seedy and horrible mm. and so yeah you don't necessarily see it but your brain just starts going crazy with like oh maybe this and maybe that and i think we should praise uh, the late richard joseph sound effects as well because uh, as well as the iconic shout of ice cream ice cream um there's actually because it is its 25th anniversary there is a an article about speedball 2 in the current at the time of recording issue of retro gamer and there's a little uh, you know i recommend obviously anyone who listens to kane and rinse would probably get a lot out of subscribing to retro gamer mm. magazine but um there's actually a, a conversation about um the whole, uh, you know, the ice cream, ice cream sample. And uh, yeah, it was something that Richard Joseph um, just, you know, kind of was mucking around with. And Mike Montgomery said, yep, that's in, we're having that. And um, <laughs> he, Mike Montgomery said at one point he even had his doorbell uh, playing it as a sample. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty famous. But, you know, we're talking about the impact of the tackles. Like, yeah, when all you've got is, a, is a, like a two-frame animation of a player rolling across the floor... You have to use the sound that, and it was mm. such a a crisp, crunching sound effect that I think if the, uh, like in Speedball One, it's more it's it's still quite cool, but David Whittaker's sound is more kind of it's more bassy and more explosion like, whereas mm. in in Speedball it's got that real metallic twang to it, and because yeah, you've got all this um, flavor art around the game which shows these metallic pads. Um, uh, you know these armored suits they're wearing. It all sells sells a thing. And when you talk about uh, Darren, like you know, imagination fill in the gaps. I always think of Lemmings. Mm-hmm. I always think of you know, there's another 1990 game uh, by DMA Design, of course. And those little Lemmings were what eight pixels tall, something like that. Yeah, tiny. They were absolutely full of character because the animation was just so sublime that, like nuking you know, your 99 lemmings or whatever was both hilarious and heartbreaking in equal measure. But it was like, they were like 16 pixels big or something. You know, it's just, it's it's amazing what you can do with very little. Hmm. And actually compared to some, you know, some game sprites and things, the, the speedball guys were pretty big and detailed and, um, yeah. And some, and some might say, I think that the, you know, the, the amount of screen space you've got, particularly on that, the, those original versions is is a bit too limited and it can feel claustrophobic mm. um because you can't really see uh, you know i'm sure it's technical limitations but you you can't you can't see who you're passing to so again mm. that's another there's another massive disadvantage for a non-regular player so i'm always just throwing the ball you know in the air arcing it 
delightfully from left back <laughs> to right wing position and then plucking out the air and slamming the keeper in the face. Well, that, I mean, God, that's one of my favourite speedball things. <laughs> Passing the ball gently to the goalkeeper when you're on the attack and then just smashing him <laughs> and just putting it in the goal. It's brilliant. It's, yeah. it's crazy. It's weird, like, you know, the, the claustrophobic vibe of speedball 2 is something that I, you know, I, I have a problem with it when I play it again. Like, oh, yeah, I can't really see ahead of me. But when I've played the other versions and the camera starts pulling out a bit, mm. there's something about that you know, the original ways people too did it that works, even Intense, though you, yeah. Yeah, you can't see who you're passing to, but you know, someone's going to be around. Yeah. Roughly on the really left wing or right wing. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the pickups do spawn I, I, in my head. It seems to be in roughly the same spots, but you know, different shapes and yeah, they're different times. But you, usually if you go in the top right, you're going to find a power up and you kind of get a, a feel for it. But like when you play people 2100 and the camera is quite far out and I just I don't know how that works, or in this case doesn't work with the twenty one hundred version. But it's just like, oh, like how do you make a, a new speedball game without sacrificing what the you know the what the I say the original in my head it's the original the the you know speedball two had it's um it's a weird one because like you know I've played speedball twenty one hundred and I was just like nope this camera doesn't work. But then neither does speedball two's camera hundred percent. It's, mm, it's mm. yeah. It must be. It's probably the, one of the reasons why they've never, in my mind, successfully recreated it without you know make, calling it Speedball Two HD or something. Like there's not a Speedball Three, is there? Like, they've always relied no. on the two number. Absolutely. Please, um, ports or reversions, revisions. So another interesting uh, element was that the game was ported to the Commodore 64, even though by that stage the 64 was very much creaking on its absolute last legs in the in in 92, I think it came out, um, and it was also at, around the point that uh, Robert Maxwell uh, drowned. So um, the whole uh, Mirosoft publishing s- situation um, became complicated. But yes, as I say, it was it was uh, it was given to uh, a man uh, who only spent. Um, I think one yeah one year um, freelancing at whichever whichever development team it was who um, who made the port it might have been Mindscape again where he did it um, and uh, and yes our, our uh, correspondent Glenn Watts says um, a couple of years later there was a port of Speedball 2 to the Commodore 64 it's not very well known but I think it actually plays better than the 16-bit versions of the game the players are smaller and you can see a lot more of the pitch at once which makes a proper passing game easier to play um, so yeah it's an interesting uh, thing and I've, I've, I've only ever seen it uh, played in, in, in YouTube um, and but yes it, it absolutely you can see more of the pitch and you know it's uh, it looks rough because it's on the Commodore 64 compared to the Amiga version but actually um, it looks like it's got all the features and um, and it, it captures the vibe nicely, I think, which is cool. Another question about the Mega Drive version, Darren. Um, now, I know with uh, at least one of the recent versions, they've attempted to kind of just really for the sheer hell of it, add more buttons. <laughs> so like mm. passing and, uh, and shooting is on different buttons in certain versions. Um, and that's something they did with sensible soccer as well. So the, the beauty and elegance of the one button system on the Amiga and ST was ported to SNES and Mega Drive with a two button system for sensible soccer. Did they do the same with speedball too? Oh, my memory says to me that like it was just all one button. Like it doesn't matter what button you pressed, it all did the same thing. So it was all contextual to the gameplay. So the ball was in the air, okay. you, you press a button and it catches and therefore, you know, 
but that that you no, know, my memory's not the best at the best of times, so I could be wrong. But in my I always head, feel like yeah, okay. I always feel like there might have been pressure from Sega or whatever to you know utilize at least two of the buttons, um, hmm. you know, on the controller or whatever. But yeah, maybe they did stick with the one button system. Um, yeah, we must talk about the music. So on the original version, the music was by uh, Nation Twelve. So Nation Twelve was a sort of collective. It's mainly the work of um, sort of a new wavy um, entrepreneur. No, that's not the right word. Um, anyway, John Fox with two X's, uh, formerly of Ultravox. Um, he, it was a collaboration basically between him and a number of other people, including Tim Simonon of Bomb the Bass, but also Shem McCauley and Simon Rogers working on different tracks. I'm not sure which uh, track. So the track was generally known as Brutal Deluxe that opens the game. Um, oh. And you'll hear it at the end of this podcast. Um, I've seen it credited to different people, but John Fox was definitely involved. Um, and it was Richard Joseph um, who did the coding to port it into the game. I remember because of this track and Into the Wonderful, which was the other Nation 12 track uh, in a Bitmap Brothers game on Gods, um, going every time I was in town for about two years looking in the album releases to see if the Nation 12 record was finally out. So basically all throughout 1990, 1991, possibly some of 1992. When did Gods come out? That was probably, was that 92, 93? Um, No, it was 91 as well, actually. But anyway, genuinely for a couple of years, you know, I bought a lot of CDs around that time anyway. I was just looking for this record. It came out eventually in 2005. <laughs> uh, the album's called Electrofear. It was released in limited uh, quantities. You can get it off Amazon, um, but if you want a new copy, you're looking like 70 quid. It was released in mid-2000s, but it sounds like an early 90s record by John Fox. And... It doesn't have Brutal Deluxe or the or the Speedball 2 music on it. It has got a version of Into the Wonderful on it, or the the, the record version of Into the Wonderful, but it's actually uh, it actually sounds slightly wimpy compared to the Amiga version, which is really disappointing. Um, but yeah, so that never happened. But uh, yeah, that music, um, yeah, will be playing out this show, and uh, yeah, uh, it's. It's kind of it's it's weird because it's sort of got jazz influences. It's got this kind of farty brass, but it's also got this this sort of almost ravey sort of um, backbeat or whatever. So mm. you said you've already said you're a fan, Darren. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've got a real nice um, fond memories of the the karma music in that game as well. When you're kind of upgrading your guy, and it's kind of like subtle. That's karma. console only, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, again, this is where my... I don't actually know who, who coded that. Uh, it probably depends on the version. Um, yeah, because I've never actually heard the Mega Drive version of, of the main theme. I've heard the mm. Master System one, which is surprisingly good. So I imagine the Mega Drive version is typically sort of crunchy and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do love the soundtrack and uh, I will be... It'll, be... it'll be an earworm in my head for the next few days for sure. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's very very typical of of the bitmap brothers again. Like going back to their their HUD and their their look and feel. Like it's kind of the whole style of their games seems to like just cross you know the the whole spectrum of what they released. Yeah, it's um yeah that I haven't really got much to say about the music in terms of you know of, of the, the details of it, but I do know that every time I hear it, 
by you know the old goosebumps kick in and you're just like oh yeah speedball music it's Tony, great you a fan yeah and, but like I say you got the main theme and that's that's the one as Darren says you, you hear and you just you know it brings back memories um, the rest of it you know, the incidental stuff's perfectly fine is I, there incidental stuff well, no, in the just Amiga about version just, you know, this, just, <laughs> uh, not the incidental I just mean like the sound effects and stuff that you hear just you know all that stuff yeah, brings. there may be, I may I may have been I may be forgetting some. There maybe there maybe there is some. Uh, yeah, I don't know now. I'm I'm confused myself because mm. yeah, I just think of the, of the main it, theme. But maybe there is a little bit of um background. Music. It's it's weird mm. actually that this game for me has been entirely on the Amiga. Um, yeah, I've never never dabbled around with any of the other versions. It being uh, you know Mega Drives or Master Systems, etc. And it's in some respects, it's lovely that way because you know the the Amigas had had a you know a big place in my heart. So just to say, oh yeah, you know that's where Speedball existed. Like I'd almost forgotten how many versions of this game came out across other platforms. Yeah. Um. So hearing Darren pl- say he played it on the Mega Drive, like there's a part of me who's like, what? <laughs> like really? Weirdo. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of. But, but you know, I guess it's just that's you know that's the time period. Where, so where is, we yeah. were, and yeah, there was a number of systems out. They were all vying for attentions, and games were flying everywhere. But to me, it you know, not to go oh, they're the purest, because as you said, Leon, it, it you know, the Mega it was almost ported up to the Mega Drive, so uh, to the Amiga. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it's it, yeah, just a just a side note. It's just interesting looking down this list and seeing how many systems actually Speedball come came out on, and and almost in my back of my mind, like they just seem every one seems like an odd fit. For that system, for that you know, mm. the series because I'm so used to playing it with a joystick as essentially, and actually playing it with the um, the control pad, the, the 360 control pad p- plugged into a PC for mm. this run of the show. It was just you know worked really well and was a a, a different feel again from what I remember playing you know, back in the early 90s. Um, and just a quick quick note on the, the 360 version because I, I know you know when I was like ah oh, there's a 360 version and of course you know first I remembered at the back of my head that it was delisted quite a while ago wasn't it if I yeah quite not that long after it came out yeah. because Empire I think Empire Interactive went bust we also lost Double Dragon at the same mm. time which is, is it is it a good version tragic right well let's lead up to that so uh, another version I think there's two other versions that I want to mention so we got as far as the Game Boy Advance in 2001 uh, which Darren recommends uh, then there was a Windows Mobile version I didn't even know there was Windows Mobile in yeah. 2002 but um, there you go Infinite Ventures did that one then another different team Glue Mobile did a Java version in 2005 then that was uh, two years later the Xbox 360 version so Empire Interactive um, Mike Montgomery again worked on it um, uh, John M. Phillips is the other uh, key credit um, and interestingly Mark Coleman who did the graphics on the original Speedball but not Speedball 2 does get a credit on the 360 version of Speedball huh. 2 um, the game was dedicated to Richard Joseph who had recently died um, at the age of I think he was 57 something like that um, of cancer which is very sad um, but uh, ironically, because of the licensing of the Nation 12 track having expired or whatever, um, this game replaces the music with some very generic and unmemorable stuff, in my opinion, from uh, a resource called Pit Stop Productions. Um, 
some of the sound effects have been altered. Uh, I think in this version, um, I think the um, the multiplier sound effect have been changed. I'm not really sure why, but the ice cream sample is is there. <laughs> um, it featured some uh, you know some extra options. Obviously, an online version that no one would ever play and would probably only use the um, you know hosts uh, server sort of situation. So it would have been, I, I suspect, horribly laggy. Um, some extremely difficult achievements, most of which I've never got. Mm. Um, but was it a good version? Yes, it absolutely was. Mm. Um, the you had the option, as as was the norm at this point, of either playing um, a game that looked pretty much identical to the Amiga version, uh, and for my money, played pretty much identically to the Amiga version. Um, I guess it felt ever so slightly different because using the controller and maybe there were some either emulation or coding things. But I could I could transport all my expertise. Uh, experience and tactics into this game and win. Um, there was also the option, as I say, of a sort of polygonized version with camera angles and, and things like that, which I never used. I had a look at mm. it coming into this podcast. Um, I think it's fairly ugly compared to the original graphics, but it's not as bad as some um, kind of uh, classic game updates I've seen on the Xbox Live Arcade where some of them look like vomit. Um <laughs> It it looks a bit unpleasant, but it, but it's not. I wouldn't say it was uh, offensively poor. But I always huh. play with the original graphics because it it plays the same either way. Um, but yeah, sadly, if you didn't buy it at the time, and again, this this I, I keep this this game in a in a. There's a big list of these in my head. Uh, I can't think of all of them now. But Jet Set Radio is one. Uh, other games that people clamoured for. Sensible World of Soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and many others of the, of this ilk where it always felt like there was a massive amount of demand for these games to be released on the downloadable services. And then when they came out, even at sensible prices, like I think this was 800 Microsoft points or under seven quid, um, no one was really that interested when it came to actually playing, buying and playing them. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how well it sold or whatever, but um, it's interesting how little, again, I wonder if more people had, bought any of the recent versions we'd, we'd have had more correspondence but anyway um so the uh so i think what we'll do is we'll come back to the two most recent versions as people to just to take a, a side note about the two actual sort of sequels neither of which i have ever played so i'm in no uh no position to really talk about them other than speedball 2100 um so by this point, Bitmap Brothers had started their um, their relationship with Empire Interactive. This is the year 2000 and it's the PlayStation 1. And the reason I never played this was because the reviews were so poor. Mm. Um, I mean, they weren't all negative. It's, it's that usual thing. The perception is probably worse than the reality. Um, Gaming Age gave it, uh, I think, um, 25% or the equivalent. But there were a few reviews in the 70s as well. So... Um, but overall, I thought it looked hideous, and I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. it being anything like as fun to play. So, nah. Darren, you've you've sampled this? Yeah, in the game shop that I used to work in, it, the cameras pulled out at a funny angle. The guys look like hunchback of Notre Dame, yeah. and it's all slow and lumberish, and it all just kind of—it's just a lot of rubbish, in my opinion. <laughs> like, put it on. I was like, this isn't Speedball. It's just the name. Like, you know, they just put the name on a, on a different game, I reckon, and just pushed it out there. Not a fan at all, and uh, played it again today just before the podcast, and um, yeah, had the same feelings. Just I'm a bit guessing like, it hasn't aged well either. No. 
Tony, have you ever dabbled? No, I just you know looked at the YouTube videos for for research for this show, and it, it didn't look particularly um, appealing in any way. Uh, it looked quite slow, and I, yeah, I think some of that obviously PlayStation One architecture trying to push oh. itself maybe, but um, yeah, it just didn't obviously had little resemblance other than you know some the basics of what Speedball was. Mm. Um, yeah, so it wasn't one where I was like, oh man, I missed that. Doesn't live up to its name. In, in any sense, by the sound of things. Uh, then in 2007 and 2008, uh, a PC release mm. called Speedball 2 Tournament. So yeah. this came to Steam, but I think it got a box release as well uh-huh. um, by the uh, the team that I've never heard of called Kyloton. You got uh, me. Yeah, and uh, released by Frogster Interactive. <laughs> um, so my, my hunch is that the Bitmap Brothers had very little to do with this. Mm. Um Again, the reviews seem to be tepid at best, um, but I must admit I have no experience with this game. Again, in fact, I'd pretty much forgotten it existed. Yeah, I've got a copy of this. It's in my brother's um, game. You? Yeah, game collection at the moment. I was around there the other day and I was like, there's the copy of Speedball 2 Tournament. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, it's another one of like, it's actually quite pacey and quite speedy, mm. but there's it, 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 something off. And I think that's because it was originally um, a Source mod, a Half-Life uh, modification called Source Ball. Valve saw it and wanted to turn it into, and apparently some people at Valve were fans of, of um, Sourceball, a uh, Speedball, sorry. So they right. turned that into Speedball, and it was just kind of like, yeah, it was just like that game looks like Speedball. Let's just call it Speedball, and it kind of happened that way. And it's got more three D look to it, doesn't it? Yeah, so it is kind of like an evolved version of Twenty One Hundred, but it's kind of it doesn't play right. There's something off about it. I can't really remember. Um, but yeah, it's it's literally sitting next door because my brother's next door neighbour, which is weird. But yeah, um, yeah, we have a copy of that, and it's it's interesting. I don't think it's available on Steam anymore either, is it? Because I think when I searched for Speedball yeah. recently, the only one that came up is mm. HD. Yeah, that has to do with the um the source ball Speedball licensing. Like it, okay. there, there was something went funny there, and it kind of fell off of Steam. It's interesting they called it Speedball 2 Tournament. You know, they actually slapped the, the, the most popular, you know, name in the mm. series to it. They didn't call it Speedball Tournament or Speedball 22500 or, you know, <laughs> 2250 or something like that. They, they actually just called it Speedball 2. Um, a more appropriate name, this is, uh, well, somewhat, Speedball 2 Evolution. Um, now, I do have this one. So I, I actually have uh, three copies of Speedball 2. 360 uh, PlayStation Mini in this case. Um, I believe this, I don't think I paid for this. I think this was when PlayStation Plus first started giving stuff away. They used to give away minis and Mm -hmm. I think this was one of those. Um, And this is basically a PlayStation Mini port of or the same version effectively as the iOS and Android game that came out in 2011 um, by Tower Studios and Vivid Games. Um, It's uh, mainly Polish developed as far as I can work out from the names Mm. Um, and this forms the absolutely forms the complete basis of the current PC version it's basically the same Mm -hmm. Um, music and sound again has changed now it's by a very difficult to pronounce Polish name my apologies I think it's Zemyślav Czakic or something along those lines Um, and again it's you know it's not it's not offensive in itself but it's not it doesn't scream this is Speedball 2 at me. Um, uh, but actually, playing it on a Vita, as I have been, it's perfectly serviceable. It's uh, it's a perfectly mm. okay... Um, doesn't look exactly like the Amiga version. It, you know, it's got a few extra um, lines and colours here and there. But it basically, it's a, it's an entirely um, recognisable and, and functional and playable version of Speedball 2 
on your Vita or PSP, if you prefer. Mm. Nice. I, I did buy a copy of this um, and haven't put a huge amount of hours into it. So I think... You I, will have recognised that it is basically uh, the yeah, same certainly. as... And I, I, yeah, certainly. And I think, once again, it was just a, the opportunity to, to maybe give a bit more money to the, the Speedball branded name. I, I think <laughs> yeah. I probably would have paid you know 69p for it or you know something low on the iOS yeah. uh, platform. I'd have, yeah, no I have idea very little it memories controls. about it. I think I'd played it over like one holiday or something, um, if I remember in the back of my mind. So. so personally, I pretty much loathe and detest all on-screen touch mm-hmm. controllers, mm. so I would not want to play this on a phone or an iPad. Ooh. But on a Vita... Yeah, I can see that. Uh, on a Vita, you've got you've got a choice of D-pad or, or analog stick, and um, yeah, it plays pretty well. Um but it's not. It doesn't look and feel quite right with the different music and whatever. But it. But it basically functions, and and I think that goes for Speedball Two HD as well. So this is the most recent version, 2013. Mike Montgomery has gone on record as saying he thinks it's you know the strongest version of the game they've ever released. I mean, you know, that's PR, I guess, to a point. <laughs> Please buy. Um, yeah. Steam only. Um, normally seven quid. Recently seventy uh, p, um, which is what I paid for it. Um, interestingly, the project was overseen by John Hare of Sensible Software, the main man behind uh, mm. Sensible Soccer and Cannon Fodder. Um, but it is the same, I checked, and it is the same uh, Polish, I believe, team behind, as behind Speedball 2 Evolution. Um, it even retains the same presentation. Um, mm. But they've added a few uh, bells and whistles here and there. Um, I haven't attempted to play it online. I don't know if that's possible to get a game. No, um, even on launch it was tough. Yeah, sure. Mm. Not surprised, sadly. Um, but there it is. It um, you guys have both played this one. I say again, it mm. it's not quite right, but it basically. I think they've tweaked a few things in this one. Like it seems much easier to injure opposition players in this version. Hmm. So my experience with Speedball Two HD was sitting down as on a Christmas with my brother, and we were like, "How do we put it into two player mode?" It was like. It, it was probably like a thing where, you know, controllers were having a bit of an iffy time when you plug it into your PC when the game's already on and, that, you know, yeah, the yeah, usual yeah. problems that happen with PC controllers PC and games. So we were just like, you know what, let's just go downstairs and play the 361. And that is where we spent the next four hours. And Oh, brilliant. Yeah, you know, so it is a good version. It has its problems and I'm not too keen on the... The, the HD art style that they put no, into it. It's no. a bit too cartoony. I can't like how we explained... Uh, another game we were talking about recently on the podcast. Um, oh, excuse me, Spelunky. Uh, you know that kind of like, that kind of. I know Spelunky does look better than Speedball Two HD, but they have a similar, the you know look cartoony rounded mm-hmm, vibe yeah. to them. It's like darker I don't really, outline to the, the characters. Yeah, yeah. I'm just just not a big fan of it. And it's like, eh, you know, you you could turn it off, but let's just go downstairs and play the 361 where the pads work properly and the menu isn't overly complicated. I think mm-hmm. I found with Speedball Two HD the menus were a bit too cumbersome. Sorry, Darren, I didn't realise you played the 360 version. I thought you mm. missed out on it like so many others. No, no, no. I was straight on this. Um, but again, as soon as, as soon as anything speedball related happens on the games, you know, the gaming world, I'm, I'm pretty much onto it because I know that we will be playing it. It's like Super Monkey point. Ball for you. It, 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 yeah, it's <laughs> about the same results. Just not quite as many different entries in the series. Yeah. Although I suppose once you factor ports in, uh, mm. yeah. So Tony, what do you what do you, what's your overall feelings about Speedball Two? And actually, this sort of um, forms a, a kind of a summary in a way because this is the version that people could really easily yeah, buy for the know. for the most accessible version which we have now. Um, it, it is actually perfectly serviceable. I think the actual gameplay itself stays pretty much intact. Then there may be a few tweaks they've done here or there. 
but you know with you know the plane emulation is always a a tricky thing at the best of times anyway so i think there's a version of one you can go to steam right now if you if you listen to this podcast and haven't played split speedball 2 i think it's perfectly serviceable i i personally think the art style is a bit overwrought um yeah yeah, I and I and I, but some of that may just be purely down to the fact of you know remembering what it looked like on the Amiga, which is you know this mm. once again per- personal preference. But um, you know, it sounds plays, you know, controller works, three sixty controller, whatever controller you have hooked up to your PC works absolutely fl- flawlessly for the game. Um, so I think you know once again, if you haven't played Speedball Two and this has piqued your interest, I mean, this is the easiest version just to go. I mean, as Leon just said, seventy p. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be better than possibly not anymore. Not now, but, but you know, it, it will it be will at some be, point yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than seeking out the the you know maybe the PlayStation Mini version or anything like that, yeah, it's this is probably the the way to go. It's a shame the 360 version is not still available because obviously that would be even easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, I mean, I don't need to have a summary really, but. Yeah, it's no. We'll come back yeah. to a to a to a proper but, um, uh, summary yeah, about our absolutely feelings. Absolutely, purpose serves. Like I said, the art style is is a yeah, bit overall for me. But hey, um, it's yeah. yeah I found it, I found it a bit a bit yeah. It's the same. I mean, it, as I say, it basically looks much the same. It's it's a slightly more detailed mm. version of the PS Mini version. And it looks too clean and crisp in some regards. Yeah. I don't know. It's some of that is just lost. And too colourful. Just yeah. too you know. It's slightly you know clownish but then the, game, like, the gameplay still is very much intact and yeah once again that's what that's what transponds you back to to playing speedball too so right we should just hear a little more from our wonderful community um, before we do summarize ourselves uh so this is from canarince.com slash forum people have also been emailing in with uh, increased regularity at podcast at canarince.com uh this is uh, more from glenn watts he says i first encountered speedball 2 on a friend's amiga long before i owned one myself i was never any good at it but i liked the setting and the simple management aspects it had in the single player mode it reminded me a lot of games workshops blood bowl board game actually buying star players trying to injure the opposition players etc in the end, we never really clicked with it, though, and moved on to Sensible Soccer as our game of choice for two-player battles. Thanks, Glenn. And uh, Alex Dola. He says, A school friend owned an Amiga, and to the rest of us playing on our Amstrads and Spectrums, it seemed like a full-on <laughs> arcade-quality games machine in the comfort of our home. We used to sneak out of school on our lunch breaks, highly forbidden to play Speedball 2 on his computer. We were eventually caught and reprimanded severely, but it was worth it. I got my own copy on the Sega Master System a couple of years later, and I thought it was an excellent version. I've played it again recently, and it's held up surprisingly well. My brother and I played it to death. We both had our tactics. He'd go for goals, and I'd go for the multipliers and various point targets around the arena. I love the fact that you could upgrade your players' stats, and from what I remember, there was a fairly deep championship career mode, which I ploughed hours, days, months into. I remember we took our console with us when we went to stay with family in the countryside as kids and our ancient cousin, who probably would have only been about 25 (laughs) looking back, played it with us all day long. My school friends and I named our five-a-side footy team Brutal Deluxe, a reference somewhat lost on our teachers, but we didn't care. I never bothered playing the remake that came out a while back simply because the original was still so good and whenever I wanted a game I'd just fire up an, uh, an emulator and spend an hour or so right back there having fun. That was and always will be good enough for me top game and finally ben ford of the same coin podcast he says the bitmap brothers at their very best superb fun sports title with that gorgeous metallic shine to the graphics that only the bitmaps did quite a unique top-down take 
on a sort of rollerball-inspired game. Also had great upgrade system to the individual characters, and the tactical play was great. Loved the on-screen power-ups such as fireballs, little animations after a goal was scored, and thought the side point ramps were a great idea. I'll never forget the theme tune or the slickness of the competitive two-player mode. It really was a genuine gem to experience, particularly on the Amiga. Thanks one and all. Uh, we have just a trio of three-word reviews. Mm. Chris O'Regan says, too bloody hard. Useless, Chris. Come on, practice. <laughs> Gary Williams, the aforementioned, says, classic old game. Alex79 UK, brutal, timeless classic. Yep, thanks everybody. I know it's harder with these uh, with these older games to dredge up your memories, but we appreciate those of you who have taken the time out to do just that. So let's summarise. Um, I suppose, yeah, it does come down to, uh, you know, waxing lyrical about memories. There's an element of nostalgia here, but also, you know, how strongly would you suggest that anyone would, you know, seek these out either via emulation or, or buying the, the version that is now on Steam? Darren? Hmm, I guess it all depends on your availability of hardware because I'd still I'd st- if I had a Mega Drive set up which you know isn't out of po- the, the realm of possibility for me but if I still had the Mega Drive set up I'd there's something about my memory and playing with the you know the Mega Drive pad with people too it's just yeah it's just the way it was um, back in the uh, you know in the 90s but you know Speedball 2 HD it is, a, it, is a, it is a good enough version for you to get what Speedball 2 is all about I mean I'm kind of avoiding the first one here because it is so far distant in my memory i just i just i think it's worth looking at and maybe playing on a on a website that seems that seems to emulate all these games um yeah, there's a lot of those now yeah. yeah you can just check it out uh but i don't think it's worth putting any time to the first one sadly you know it is it is you know the sequel literally is you know bigger better more badass so yes people 2 hd is good it's a shame that the 360 version is has been taken off i wasn't aware of that fact um, you know, I'm quite glad that I've got it because that for me, you know, bar the Mega Drive one, that for me is my go-to version. Um, it's just, it's just great fun. And, you know, it is always, it always precedes Sensible World of Soccer on my 360. It's that one, then that one, and then we'll see what happens after that. But like, those two games for me, you know, I'm not big on sports games, but that Mega Drive, that, that 90s era of sports games where everything was a little bit arcadey and mental. It mm. just sort of works for me, like smashing the glass in NHLPA, farting as a mutant league footballer. <laughs> you know, just all these crazy things that happened and like Speedball just fit perfectly within that kind of, that you know, that gaggle of games. And like, yeah, I, I love Speedball too. And I, I think I always will. Lovely stuff. Now, Mr. Tony. Um, to me, this is really hard to separate nostalgia versus quality of game. Now, I I, I think quality of game, it's it, you know it plays brilliantly. You know, it, to me, it plays brilliantly. But I think there is a huge dose of nostalgia built in. You know, me going back to it now and playing. I think Speedball One. I I could stick that in front of most people and they go, yeah, like there's a million games like this now. And um, Speedball Two. I think if you had never played it there'd still be enough um, depth there for you to enjoy the game for what it is. But I think having that huge dose of nostalgia and, and, you know, certainly for me, like, you know, recalling, you know, where I was and the time and place, all that stuff is, is maybe you know, elevates the game to a slightly higher level than, than possibly what it is, if that makes sense. Um, so I think if you haven't played it, then yeah, if you, if Steam has a sound on it, then going with the, 
the Speedball 2 HD version is a great way to, to see what we've been waxing lyrical about, whether you're falling in love with it in the same degree that clearly we all have. Um, would maybe, yeah, I, I'm not too sure that it would necessarily happen to anyone now. But um, yeah, for me, yeah, it's a, it's a timeless classic uh, and one that, you know, both Leon and me put down on, on the podcast sheet and said, we're going to do this. Um, even if, you know, if there's a few other people that go, ah. <laughs> and Carl, who sadly uh, yeah. couldn't make it in the end, who was, uh, you know, equally as um, passionate, I believe. I, I don't particularly know his feelings on the, on the first game, but I know, you know, I know he, he really loved the second game. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, so um I strongly associate the original speedball with the changing of uh the guard from 8 to 16 bit. So uh, I always thought it was very cool. It looked cool and in some ways it still does. I still look at those those uh those player graphics on on that screen and still think this looked pretty cool. Um but it is a very very uh simplistic game by modern stands. It is fundamentally a kind of yeah is it's like one of those multi-bat pong games mm. um really uh, only where the, the bats can take the ball off one another um and i think it would struggle to engage or entertain for too long although having said that i certainly have had a limited amount of um time spent enjoying enjoying playing it because probably almost ironically because of that exact same simplicity it's so easy to to get to grips with it's hugely accessible and and all that um the sequel is uh i think it's you know it's fair to say is uh is something of an iconic classic people recognize it it's been re-released uh umpteen times across umpteen formats people know the name uh sometimes at the expense of its uh, predecessor um when I play it now, uh, you know, and I and I do play it sporadically on on Xbox 360, and I, as I say, I own three different copies of it. I still have fun with it, but even me, as somebody who really, really got into it, I, I don't spend hours and hours on it now. Um, partly, probably just because I exhausted it. Maybe if I had like a really, uh, you know, a similarly skilled two-player opponent, I could probably still get more out of this. And I think that's the only way I could really, really strongly recommend picking up a version of this now would be for probably again, as Darren says, actually on a uh, on a legacy format mm. f- for for the playing of yeah in front of in front of a telly playing a Mega Drive version with or, or or an old Amiga version with with a friend or if you've got you know sort of a nice emulation set up with an arcade cabinet or something like that that would be pretty awesome well, too. by the sounds of it though Darren and me are going to have a party and you're not invited <laughs> oh, I come and school you all um but yes I mean for 69p as as it has been and maybe again you can't really go too far wrong with it, with anything much um and and a serviceable version is out there but it doesn't for me quite capture the look and feel of the original it's missing the music which is not actually part of the game as such but it it leads you into it um and the the palette of Dan Malone's original graphics is is lost in in the sort of the HD update and it does feel like a port you know it, it it's an authentic and a close port in terms of the way it, the way it controls and and the way the features are implemented and stuff but it does it's it's not the same game whereas the 360 version felt 
closer, mm. uh, at least when played with the original graphics to me. Um, but that said, as I say, you know, PS Mini, I, I don't even know how much that costs. You might even find that you've got it on your old uh, PS Plus download list somewhere, in which case there's, you've got nothing to lose by trying it out. Um, yeah, I think it's a classic, but it's a game that, yeah, I certainly, uh, my my experiences colour my ability to judge it mm. Uh, objectively now not that you can judge anything truly objectively um but it does make me when i do get in the zone when i do have those matches where i'm desperately trying to claw back into the lead and getting back into that pattern of play it does make me wish for a modern violent future sport game in this mold with you know all the all the visual and off-pitch stuff that a modern console could bring a future sport game so somebody do that they've really gone haven't they it's, I can even think of um, like even football games going for a, a stage like Red Card Soccer Red Card, or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Adidas Soccer Power Ball. Soccer and, yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that where you just took the core game and then just messed with yeah. the, the rules essentially uh, you know some of those were terrible games but you know I appreciated the fact of playing in a slightly you know off-kiltered reality it's time for a new Mario Strikers oh I suppose yeah <laughs> yeah Yes, but something more. Yeah, something more serious. Something with a bit of a, a Smash TV mm. Running Man style vibe. With some, with some. Yeah, I think actually, I genuinely think, even though I'm, you know, I'm not their biggest fan, I think NetherRealm Studios, instead mm. of another Mortal Kombat game, they could they could do something that would actually feel crunchy and have have a sort of have this sort of vibe. And I realise they've never done a sports game, so it's probably a terrible idea. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? They they could they could. Get the get the the vibe right, maybe. I don't know. I'm just musing. Anyway, uh, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Tony and Darren, and to tell you that next time, and that's issue 173, it'll be an atypically callous trolling with cameo elements of power. 